0: Jesus
1: Hello and a very warm welcome. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and I'm your host, Etienne McClintock. By the Word of Their Testimony is based on Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, where we read, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. In the studio today, I have a special guest, April Wharf. April, welcome. It's lovely to have you in the studios.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: And I'm looking forward to hearing your testimony about what the Lord has done for you in your life. Now, listeners, this is not a scripted program. This is how the Holy Spirit leads people to share their, their testimony, to bring out certain circumstances and instances in their life that God has led them providentially and how he's been able to bring them through some experiences in their life and they have an encounter with God and have a totally different experience. April, now you've been associated with 3ABN for quite a few years, from what I understand.
2: Yes. My husband started at 3ABN in 2000, May of 2000, as a volunteer for six months, and then was hired on, and I eventually was able to follow him the following year in, in October.
1: Right. Okay. So you lived in another state, because yeah. we're obviously in the state of... Um what state are we in? Illinois. <laughs> Thank you. We're in the state of Illinois. We're down the southern <laughs> end of it. Uh, this is only my second time at Illinois. I have been to Chicago once before. And, you know, funny enough, I've always heard that we're three ABNs in West Frankfurt, Illinois. But I've never actually connected the fact that, oh, it's in the same state as Chicago. Well, we are in the lower end of the same state. And so you were living in another state at the time. Yes. And then you moved about a year later.
2: Yeah, a year and a half, actually. Okay.
1: So, uh, what keeps you? What What do you do nowadays? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. And
2: well, I'm a homemaker, and we have um, a jail ministry wow. in the area where once a month a different group goes into the local jail, and I'm a part of that. Um, I like to help people who are in need, whether it be health-wise or something physical maybe I can do to help. And right now I'm cooking meals for a couple who are working on the new radio station over in the main building. Wow. They're doing the electrical, and it makes it just a little bit difficult for her to do meals. So... Hmm. I fix the meals and they come eat with us at lunchtime.
1: That's wonderful. So you're there available to help people who have little needs who may be able to look after certain things themselves and, and provide for them. Well that's a that's a wonderful ministry.
2: I I'd like to think it's a good one. I feel awful useless a lot of times. but
1: Well, you know what? I've, I've listened to what you were telling me previously, and I know that God uses you in a number of ways. Quite often we are so busy, you know, people need some support or help. but It might just be a simple thing of getting some meals ready for them so they can keep on doing the work for the Lord. Or it could be just be there for, them for emotional reasons or whatever the reasons may be. And to have someone like you who is available, who's a homemaker, but then also makes a time available, to serve other people is just a wonderful ministry, and I praise God for that.
2: Thank you. Mm. Praise God.
1: So uh, maybe you, we can start with the very beginning. Um, where were you born? What was your family environment like, and, and so on?
2: I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington. It was one of the larger cities in, in the United States, even at that time. Um, and I was raised in the heart of Seattle, so you lived um, in the
1: city, pretty much. Did you?
2: Yeah, and I never liked it. I hmm. uh, when we got a babysitter, she lived. She had a house out in the country. Always liked going out there and thought I would grow up and have a black stallion and you know silly things children dream up yeah, to sure. wish for that never or often doesn't come to being.
1: So you were a country girl at heart, really, while yeah. you were brought up in the city. Yeah,
2: and I okay. thought when I grew up and got married one day that I would, my home would be more like it was 100 years ago.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, quite often we look back on you know, what it was like in the past, and the life just seemed a lot simpler back then. So you were looking for a simple life rather than the hustle and bustle and the rush of a city.
2: Right, mm. right. And that was very likely influenced to some extent by my beginnings, Um, When I was two, uh, my mother, we were always told my mother ran away from home. Mm. Um, When I was 16, I got her version of the story. And that was that there was a court order that she leave the home, that she didn't have a choice of that. There was a lot of confusion in our household, a Mm. lot of pain and and just the sense constant sense of loss Mm. um our dad was an older man he was 26 years older than our mother so he was 54 years old when i was born and he was my world um somehow in that day and age the judge gave seven children to an old man wow um he figured that if she, he gave the children to the dad, mm. that she would go back to him. But she could not find it in her heart to go back into a situation that she'd been away from more than once previous mm. and went back and felt very abused. Mm-hmm. And um, so she she didn't. So we grew up without a mother in the home, and mm,
1: seven children and a dad yeah. looking after all the children. Yeah,
2: and we were just eight and a half years apart. So from the from birth of the oldest of to the f- youngest, yes, okay, yeah, and it it was a situation where frequently, I remember little powwows between us kids. Uh, well, hmm. mommy and daddy are. Talking in Daddy's bedroom, so maybe that means that they're going to get back together again, and mm. just always a thread of of hope and hopelessness crashing in. Sure. Um, and then, uh,
1: so in, with the seven children, which number were you, as far as with the oldest? I was or the, the
2: last of the Mohicans.
1: <laughs> oh, right. So you were number seven. You're the baby in the family, basically. Yes. Wow. But
2: we are not just seven. Mm. Um, Oh, oh my! I have to expand it a little bit because we discovered another brother back in '91. There was actually eleven children that my father had. Okay. Um. One died when he was weeks or just a few months old mm. with a heart defect, and then uh, then he had two living daughters that were. Um, the same age as my mom, or just a few years younger. And so that was a real interesting um, scenario to kind of Mm. grow up in. They would come and see us through the years, here and there, and I was real proud to have sisters who were old enough to be my mom. I thought it was pretty cool. It was novel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it was, you know, it it Mm. felt like a huge family to me. And I always thought of myself as the last one of the Mohicans, you know. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Um, When I was 12 years old, we had a week of prayer at our school which basically means that every day there was a a speaker there, Mm. and that speaker was there all week long, and every day we had a meeting time with that speaker, and he shared whatever topic was on his heart or the people at the school, what they wanted him to talk about. I really don't have a clue, but I remember he was giving a call for our hearts, and it really drew on me mm. i I wanted to answer that call I wanted to jesus Jesus to have my heart and so I stood up in that call, and my sister, just older than I and myself, both had Bible studies from the Bible worker at the church, whom we thought was really strange and old. Mm. But I just, I love her to pieces now. My memory of her is just how she came into our home and ministered to us the Word of God. And so I I was baptized, and that was very meaningful to me. It finally occurred to me after forever, it seemed like, having nightmares, terrible nightmares. It occurred to me that I could ask God to take those away. Wow.
1: So you you went to a Christian school, mm-hmm. sounds like. And mm-hmm. also, was your family a Christian family? Were you church people?
2: Yes, I. I say I was born and raised in the cradle at the church. Wow. Um, a lot of, a lot of church influence. Uh, the people there, were extensions of our family, mm. because of our need. Okay. Um, our dad was working. Mm. And we didn't have anybody. Um, we did have a babysitter for a few years that was there for for us younger kids until yeah. we got into school. And then once I was in school, we we just all went to school every day. Mm. And if one of us got sick, somebody from the church would take us home and nurture us
1: okay nice so you had a support base from the family yes with your dad being away a lot and working yeah mm. and
2: we had I mean I personally I can't speak for the rest of my siblings but for me it was profound influence um, that church influence the the Sabbath schools the you know the the t- the little tiny children, I remember being one of those little tiny children mm. and running up with my felts. When a mommy says, come here, who comes running, who comes running? And little April came uh, dashing. Um, I just, you know, I remember that. I mm. remember a the number of moments, different things. Yeah. That were, and it was these things connected with the church. Um, I I have some rather comical memories as well, but Mm -hmm. they're probably just as well left out. (laughs) 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 But that that school experience, my mother told me that our dad tried to take us out of the church school repeatedly, but she got a court order that said he had to keep us in the church school. Mm. And we found out long years later I was the mother of teenagers, I think, at the time when I found out that there was a doctor in the church at the time who, every year when they'd do school planning at the church board, they'd say, what are we going to do about the longs? Mm. Because Ivan can't, he can't pay for seven kids to go to school. And so it was a really miserly sum that he was able to pay, and this doctor would stand up when it when there was nobody answering the call, he would stand up. He paid our way through Thank church. You, for, sure.
1: oh, praise the Lord for through, faithful people yeah. who were really willing to support him.
2: And so that that really strong um church support, I mm. think that extended family support within the church shaped my a lot of my thinking and devotion mm. okay. to to the church. And then at the time I was 12 and I prayed and I asked God to take these terrible dreams away from me. He did that. And that was an added, what do you call that, influence? So encouragement, or uh, Yeah.
1: Something that sort of strengthened your faith because you, you saw God working it, on your behalf. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I kept just, you know, moving forward with that very proud cocky little family we were, Mm -hmm. and I was way up there among them as far as pride goes, and um, thinking that we were somehow really special family to be um, in the situation we were, that somehow, I don't know, we just seemed to have influence and Strength of character or something. I I imagined all kinds of delusions of grandeur to (laughs) see us as probably much better than what we really were. Hmm. And
1: And some strong personalities within your family? Oh, very.
2: There isn't a one that isn't a strong personality. Okay. Um, I have one sister who's more quiet than... Hmm than the others but even she has a really strong personality (laughs) and so uh i went to uh, christian high school Hmm. paid my own way god allowed that i went to alaska for a summer with my sister and her husband which actually was to their hurt Hmm. i didn't realize that or i would never have gone um But I worked her job for the summer and was able to take $1,800 to school with me, Wow! which at that time, that was a lot of money. It went went a good distance in my first couple of years there along with what little I could work. Um,
1: So you had a good work ethic and a strong work discipline, and it sounds like you were relatively independent as well if you were paying your own way through high school.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And at the time— that i was 16 my dad was oh my 70 54 plus 16 is 70 right that's right yeah he went to spend a a number of weeks with my sister in wisconsin then came back home where i wasn't living i was i was in a boarding school hmm. he came back for a period of time to sell the house and that was the end of my um strong parental influence I was pretty much on my own at the age of 16. Wow. 17ish heading heading into my that year. And um and my mom, I had a lot of time with her and that was the beginning of me really having an understanding compassionate relationship with her mm. that none of the other kids had ever had. Wow. And that was good for me. That had a an influence on me in a really positive way because yeah i got a mom sort of kind of anyway hmm. um she did come and see us every sabbath or most sabbaths through those years but um okay
1: so you knew your mom growing up you did just didn't grow up her, with her i did know her but i did, that's correct okay
2: and so then um i had a pretty high estimate of myself in in a big way i always thought that older people and when i say older people i mean gray haired 60 70 80 mm. year olds um had something to share with me and mm. i think that's because of the influence of my older parent sure. my dad yes. and so i had that sort of humility about me but um not in a lot of other areas okay and i grew up so to speak uh went went to college got a 2 year degree, got married almost immediately thereafter and we started having kids a couple not a year and a half later. Okay. Almost 2. And and I did I did pretty well with that first one. Uh she was she was very compliant little child but very challenging as an infant because she had tummy aches all the time and i didn't know what to do with this and Mm. i felt i should and um but then i got pregnant with our second child and he was very different um he was independent he was strong-willed i was really angry during my pregnancy had no clue why but just pled with the lord to somehow guard this little little child's life Mm. um put his Holy Spirit into this baby uh, to protect it from this anger that I had no idea where it was coming from. And so when he was born, he had a really strong will uh, to the point that he didn't want a lot to do with me except to eat. And then Mm. he wanted to get in his bed and go to sleep. Okay.
1: (laughs) Well, it's amazing how the kids can be so different, yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so um that you know that was interesting and as the children got older parenting became more and more of a challenge for me and I kept remembering what my dad said about my mom she was a wonderful mother to the age of 3 and after that she didn't know what to do with children mm. and that seemed to play out in in my situation with my kids. I tried really hard not to allow that to influence me, but I recognized that it was, and a very disturbing, and I I got really depressed mm. uh, to the point that I wanted to take my life. My husband would never let me stay home from church, never. I always had to go to church, even when I felt like, I just need a break. Mm. I, I always had these babies around me. I didn't put them off on other people. To babysit for me. And the one time I did, it was the heartbreaking thing of my life Mm. later on, years down the road, when I found out what happened. And so, you know, I'm glad that I kept them close to me, but I needed some personal space. As well. And um, it was too bad that he didn't recognize that. But this one time he did, and he had no clue that I had the wherewithal to take pills and put myself into a big sleep forever. And I was intended, I intended to do that. Mm. And I called a doctor friend who went to the same church, and I said, how much of this stuff can I safely take? And so he told me, Mm. and I said, well, I guess his whole pack will take care of it then. And I sat and I i with these in my hands and and I just started thinking, and I know it's the Holy Spirit was just bringing these children to my mind and the confusion that it would cause them mm. to find out that their mother had taken her life yeah. and and I knew that it would cause my husband hurt as well, but I didn't really care so much about him I was really concerned about these babies and Mm. I think so they they were
1: only very young at this time
2: they were I think um four and five okay so uh we moved several several times and in the in the next move um oh I started working as a nurse um at a hospital that was 45 minutes away from where we lived and my husband would take care of the kids because I could make a lot more money than he could at the job mm. he had. So we thought, we got to do something financially. And so he took care of the kids, and I went to work. Mm. And on Wednesday nights, he would come up to the, the other, this home I was staying at. I'd sleep there during the day and go to work at night. Why? And so he'd come up there, and he started taking the kids to prayer meeting with these people. Um there were some other people there, people that I had met um in another scenario and I ended up becoming very close with this really precious couple oh. and um, but it was a very sad thing that, after a period of time, the relationship with the the man was inappropriate okay. and I was very uncomfortable and I tried to figure this thing out. It took eight years to the point where I couldn't figure out how to just end this relationship without causing trauma to the woman Mm. who I just, I really loved very much. And so I said, okay, here's the bargain, God. Mm. We're going on a, a week's vacation to the beach with them. And in this period of time, you're going to have to put me in right relationship with yourself or I'm going to end my life. Wow. That's just all there is to it. So
1: how many years subsequent to you know having the issue with your children where you got close to wanting to take sleeping tablets and take your life then, how many years subsequent to that is this episode now in your life?
2: Ooh. Well, that would have been 10 years. 10 years. About okay. 10 years. Right. Um, so I took a book on prayer and my Bible, and every morning I was up by 4 o'clockish o'clock-ish, mm. and went out on the beach, walked the beach, and this book was telling me what to do. A sanctuary Prayer, Sanctuary Secrets to Personal Prayer. I highly advise the book. It's Okay. Very good. Um, and daily, I walked the beach, and I was obviously depressed, and I was not a good influence on everybody around me, and people were wishing I had not come. Okay. And I mean, I, it was just all I could do uh, in the circumstances, just to be alive. Mm. But it was, it was a God ordained experience for me, and. In that week, I found freedom in my soul, um, yeah. at least the beginning of it, where I didn't have to be so tenaciously hanging on to another human being to have some sense of security in myself, okay. and God became that mm. for me, and it was, Wonderful. it was just a really precious, precious time. About a year and a half later... I had a very bad experience. I mean, I spent a year just absolutely praising the Lord for everything, Mm. good or perceived, good or bad. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what this is all about, but thank you.
1: So you had an encounter with the Lord during this holiday period. I did. Yeah, and it changed your life.
2: It did. Mm. It dramatically changed my life, Um, changed the way I related to people in many ways. Um, But then a year and a half later, there was all kinds of crazy things that the devil was bringing back on me Mm. to make me feel like a slut Mm. and that I – that other people thought of me that way, that there was rumors flying three counties away, and I did not – have the strength of relationship with the Lord to honestly praise Him for that. Yeah. I did with my voice, but my spirit was just mm. being crushed out of me. My health plummeted um, almost into oblivion. And by 1997, I couldn't work anymore.
3: Oh.
2: Um, nevertheless, I clung tenaciously and I continue to cling tenaciously to the the reality, the fact that God is love. Mm. God is love. I don't understand what's going on around me, but I know that whatever influence of God is in this, mm. it's love. And if it's not love, it's not God. But still just constantly searching for that spark of love in whatever whatever was going on in my life yeah. and so when my husband um well before he started work with 3ABN he was I didn't realize it my my health was so poor hmm. my nutritional level was just miserable right. um i couldn 't remember things hmm. at all, I mean, so he says that he told me about it, but i didn't have any recollection that he told me um, that he was he was, he was on a probationary period at work he had a six month probationary period to learn this new computer programming language that people went to college for four years to learn well, wow. they were changing totally changing the computer language that they were using, and he didn't have education in that language. Mm. And he was a computer programmer. Okay. So it was pretty impossible for him to stay there. Uh, So, um, uh, like I said, I didn't know. Mm. This was uh, September, October-ish of 99, and... (laughs) Here I am in oblivion. I had been watching 3ABN for a year at that point. We'd gotten it the year previous. And I'd seen all these ads for employees. You know, we've got this and this. Oh, William, you do so good at that. And He finally said, April, I don't want to hear about 3ABN ever again. Mm. Don't talk to me about 3ABN. God has put me where I am. And when he's ready for me to go somewhere else, he'll take me there. Well, it was not long after that few months, um, because it was early in the summer, I think, when he told me that, not to talk to him about it anymore. And he just kept on working, and I started being real quiet and praying. And I said, Lord, you know that for William to leave you're going to either have to give him a revelation, or you're going to have to have him fired. Mm. But if it's a if if that's your intent, you want him to work at three ABN, and he has to be fired. Will you make it a friendly fire? Okay. And put it in his heart that he wants to see three ABN because he wouldn't come up here and even look. Mm. And I had been up here a couple times. All of a sudden. Thanksgiving time of 99, he says, want to go up to 3ABN? Oh.
1: Wow, she's out of the blue. Yeah,
2: just for me, it was out of the blue. I mean, like I said, I my memory was so poor, I could ask him the same question five times in five minutes and not know I'd done it. Yeah. So <laughs> so anyway, I'm like, okay. So we came up here and volunteered for a day. He took a day off of work. I was I guess either that or maybe it was they gave an extra day vacation time or something yeah. along with it. But um we came up and spent that day and at Christmas time the kids came and he says, "Hey, let's go see 3ABN." Well, the kids are in college. Our daughter brought her boyfriend home with her. They didn't want to travel two hours, two and a half hours to 3ABN to see something they had no interest in. But anyway, we did that. And then come February, the end of February, he said, April, this is what's happened at work. Hmm. And he said, I'm not going to get—I don't don't think I'm going to get this language. So he was telling me that he figured that they were going to let him go. So— he uh he actually did put in an application to 3ABN and the day came that he knew he was being let go and there was a couple other people being let go as well mm. um but they gave him a plaque um honoring him for his um no missed days in 12 years oh, and wow. uh they threw a dinner. They gave him six months full pay, full benefits.
1: Praise the Lord. That's good.
2: And at the time, the road crew had had not been going a long time, but hmm. right soon thereafter, it started. They were on the road a lot. Okay. And— um So So
1: this you saw this as an answer to prayer because you're saying, Lord, if he does get dismissed, let it be a positive dismissal.
2: Right, right. And so, you know, everything turned out to be one of encouraging him, not Mm. depressing him. So even though I still was not well and he was not at home uh, for very, you know, very often because I was still in Kentucky— I was encouraged because God had done this thing and mm. it was an encouragement to me that I wasn't hopeless that that there was yet something something more for me in relationship with God that would dissolve this pain of the past right and in recent the last within the last 2 years probably a little less I have been gaining an increasing understanding of what it means to gain righteousness by faith. Mm. And God has and Christ have just become so much sweeter to me. What um as my father, you know, he is that good father that didn't confuse me, mm. didn't abuse me, didn't take my mommy away, um, but that he's right there nurturing and blessing all along. And giving me encouragement, mm. So here just recently, in fact, just Monday night, one we had our jail um, meeting, mm. and the lady of our group that was doing the presentation made a comment that i hadn't hadn't tumbled to before, and that was that um, God's word. How you know? I thought about this a lot recently. How powerful God's word is! It, he spoke; His word put this the worlds into existence. Yes, yeah. It it put me into existence. The, of course, man, He fashioned with His hands, but still, so many things He just spoke, and it happened. Mm. And she said, "This, His word," and she's holding the Bible, and and she says. Just read it; it has power because it's His Word, mm, amen. and it will do what it says in your life. And for whatever reason, I'd heard that many times before, but it it made sense to me mm. in a way that it hadn't previously, and it was like a capstone or the cherry on top of the cake or something um, for me in the, in my purpose in reading the Bible. Right So much of my reading in in years past had been doing right. I got to do things right, yeah you know, and figuring out what's the right way, but I don't know what that looks like. Mm. And if I do it right, how can I tell that I'm doing it right? Okay. you know <laughs> yes. and And I'm like, at this point, I'm just really grateful that it's God who works within me to will and to do of his good pleasure. Mm, amen. It's not me it's not somebody else or the influence of somebody else it's my putting myself in god's way where i can hear him talking if only through the bible yes and receiving that just just reading it um you know what does it mean to receive it, just read it and with that understanding that his word Is going to make a difference
1: Mm, Amen So you've spoken already so far about the power of prayer That even at a young age you prayed And God had answered your prayer In regards to even the, the nightmares Now you're talking about another power Which is obviously the living power that's in the word of God And we see that in creation And then just reading the Bible now We can also experience that Because whatever God says If we believe it, we receive it And God actually works in our lives through our permission, because we agree with him, that's what faith is. So that's wonderful. We appreciate you sharing that. Um, so, is there anything else in regards to your experience with the Lord that you want to share with our listeners? Other people who may be, you know, struggling, going through difficult times, and you've obviously had plenty of those yourself in your life, that you may be able to say to them uh, that will encourage them, or experiences you've had, you know, in your walk that you might be able to share that will be an encouragement to others.
2: Through the years and I think this is a rather indirect way of answering your question through the years um, I was zealous I don't know that I was a Paul Mm. but I was really zealous for doing good works when when I was told that I should wear skirts that are nine inches above the floor I did that Mm. and and I learned something that I interpreted um, as being that I should have my head covered. So I put on a bonnet, and it, it ended up being a literal sun bonnet. Um, and I was covered from my wrist to my neck high. Mm. Okay, not, not totally covering my neck, but right up to my neck and all the way down to my feet because I wore socks. Um, up to my knees so nobody saw anything but my hands and face for nine months Mm. and there was various other I went in and out of this extreme and I kind of swing from one extreme to another I went from wearing long dresses to wearing short shorts and tank tops I mean (laughs) just really bizarre Mm. because I didn't understand what it meant to have a relationship with God, I didn't mm. understand. Didn't I, it wasn't emulated from me except as my siblings would um, show me that they were my closest associates, and mm. anybody outside of that family unit wasn't as smart as we were. And I mean, <laughs> it's really the truth. Yeah. Um, so. I was very dependent on myself and mm. what I could understand, what I could uh, glean from, from God, about God, but it was always filtered through my own experience. And others may have a bumpy road like that in a struggle to find some sort of sense in a relationship with God. But where I found freedom um is is in the recognition that Jesus did it for me. Mm. He did everything right. Yes. Now if he wants to bring some sort of different attire into my life, I know that he will accomplish that and it will it will be acceptable. I won't be a gazing stock. I won't be a scarecrow. Right. Okay. I <laughs>
1: understand.
2: Um, but at this point in time, I'm I'm at ease.
1: Mm. So you have peace with God and you're open to his leading whatever he wants. If it makes him happy, it'll make you happy to do it.
2: Well, yeah, I'm I'm trusting that whatever he wants, he's going to put it in my heart that that's what I want. Okay. Um. Because I can't figure it out. I hmm. I just really don't have the wisdom To figure out what the right thing is I, My interpretation of his Of his word and his will Has really been messed up
1: <laughs> Okay, understand So I'm curious uh, It'd be interesting to see if, How you would answer this But you know, those times When you had the Like you're saying The wild swings from one extreme To the other So say for example Now you, you, you have the focus And go, oh, no, I need to reform I need to change my clothes I need to dry, dress conservatively What was it that motivated you at that time to make that change from where you were at the time to then go to that really conservative extreme? um, I was looking
2: for direction in my life. Okay. Um, So where
1: would that come from? Where would those influences come from to go down that path?
2: I didn't have any. I mean, that's being a little bit harsh. It wasn't that our dad didn't give us some kind of direction. Mm. But he wasn't there. Um, He would work. He'd go out looking for work all day long and then work all night. And there might be days, a couple of days at a time where we didn't see him because he was either out pounding the pavement looking for a job. He was a union um, newspaper man. Okay. So he, he was a linotype operator, which is just so archaic now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's the one that set the type to print the paper and, okay. you know, and print all the right. paper. And so we we had really profound moments with him. He put all of us up front um, in our what worship times that we had. Uh, we had something called Daddy's Hour, and that was the time when everybody had a part to play in our worship or Whatever it was, somebody was the secretary and took notes, and somebody was the song leader, and somebody was you know everybody had a part oh, wow. and so we were trained mm. um to be up front mm. um and that was a really positive a positive thing, okay. but at the same time, it wasn't those day to day this is how you make cookies, this is how you. Clean the house, this, I mean our house was filthy, you know, just all kinds of stuff, yeah. so whatever I think it was the spirit of God that put the drive in me to look for direction in my life and, and it, to reform in some way yeah, yeah. I wanted okay. to be what what God wanted me to be mm. when, and nobody had lived that out for me that I could sure. understand, and I wanted to know how to live because mm. the older I got the more I came to realize that I didn't know how. Okay. I didn't know how to interact appropriately with people. I didn't know how to um, present myself in an acceptable form. And the older I get, I I have gotten, the more unacceptable my behavior would be because I'm still acting out as a little child. Right, Okay. (laughs) And, and uh, yeah, it's just, just looking, looking for direction, mm-hmm. looking for somebody to give me an example. And I really think it just totally was bred from the lack of it, the lack of a mother in the mm, home. Sure. Nobody to rebel against. Okay. You know, yeah. y- kids, there's no boundaries to stretch mm. and to be guarded and hedged in. And from your
1: dad, you didn't receive any instructions in regards to that's inappropriate or that's appropriate as far as dressing is concerned, for example.
2: Oh, he made... he did. Okay. Uh, the kind of the kind of exam, um instruction that I re- remember from him was that he sat my sister, just older than I, and myself down, and he said. You don't want to wear these kind of things because it leads men in a wrong direction in their thoughts and everything. Yeah. And and he let us know that if a girl got in trouble, which to us that meant if she got pregnant, mm. it was her fault. Um, right. That did not leave me feeling really secure. Mm. Um. Even with him, and yeah, it just wasn't good direction. Sure,
1: okay, yeah, it didn't give you the tools to deal with the situation. It just said, if this is what happened, then it's your fault. That's
2: right, and then if I wanted to wear something, like I asked for a two-piece bathing suit one time, and he said no, and I pushed it, and I was I was the pusher of the family. If mm. if everybody else wanted an ice cream cone or wanted this or that, they'd get me to ask for it. Oh, okay. Because I was the spoiled brat. Boy, that's painful. (laughs) Um, So I kept pushing it and pushing it, and he would end up saying, oh, go to the devil, do as you please. Mm. And that's another very hurtful statement. Sure. I didn't want to go to the devil, Mm -hmm. but I did kind of want to do what I pleased. You know, (laughs) so he got me he got me the bathing suit and it turned out to be, I think, a negative thing for him. He had a weakness toward women and I didn't I didn't realize that that's what he was saying to us, really, Mm. was watch out how what you wear because your daddy has a problem. Okay. Um, But, you know, that was the kind of guidance I got Mm. on living life from adolescence. Up. It wasn't. And by that time, I was of an age where I knew more than he did anyway. Sort of.
3: Okay, right. You
2: know, that hint was still there because of the age I was in. That's mm. just the crazy nonsense a teenager's mind often does. But I wasn't particularly rebellious with him, but it was definitely a spirit of rebellion. Okay. And so that's, that's sort
1: of, if I had to ask the question the other way, so you, you had those times when you dress conservatively, it's like a, a, a moments of reform. <laughs> then what made you step away from those moments of reform and then go perhaps back to default or to go extreme? Was it you just does not enjoy that? or Because there seems to be a shift from one to the other, and I'm just right. wondering what the motivations were for both. So we've sort of unpacked one a little
2: right. bit. Right. It had to do with me waking up in my mind to the reality that I was a gazing stock. I was out of place in my environment. Mm-hmm. I could hold up to that stringency for a certain length of time, but when when the Lord was finally able to get through to my head that this was ridiculous, I didn't have the wherewithal to maintain or to go to a a balance. And little by little, I went toward balance, hmm. um, but that's just not a, an easy arena for me. Sure. So I I just sort of dress like normal people yeah. at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, cr- that's great. So,
1: um, look, if there's some people listening, you know, who may have had similar experiences in their life, and there would probably be quite a few that, uh, you know, may have gone through similar things or can relate to what you're saying – What is your advice to them, you know, in regards to encouragement, to give them hope, you know, change life? Because obviously you're a very different person now to the person you were going through all those experiences that you were growing up. What would you say to them?
2: Let God have a a big chance in your life. Mm. Consider that God really is love and loving and give him a chance to love you. There's so much evil going on in our world, Mm. and so much is often attributed to God. Um, Choose to believe that God is love and ask him to help you to see your world through that filter of love and where is God in it and where is God not, Mm. and run into his arms for safety, because he wants you. He Mm. wants to hold you. He wants to help you. He wants to grow and nurture you. And spend time reading the Bible with that thought that God's word is powerful, Mm. powerful enough to speak sun, moon, and stars into existence and land and animals and plants and seas. He's just... With the spoken wor- word, he made the world, yes. and that, that spoken word, just reading that, if all you can do is reading all the red letters in the Bible that were Jesus speaking, and believe
3: mm, that
2: amen. his word will not come back to him empty, it will accomplish what he pleases, and his pleasure is to bring you life.
1: Mm, that is so true So there's two little things that st- stood out for me You you started your, your story about just hanging on to the fact that God is love And, and just believing in that and, and that dragging you through And now also your closing comments also about the fact that God is love And just people need to believe that mm-hmm. But if you had to look at your life as it was before And now you walk with the Lord How much of a difference is there in your life?
2: Sometimes I wonder because I am prone to depression. Mm. Um, But I have hope Mm. where I didn't have that hope before. I had self-confidence, self-assurance, but I I had no assurance that I was safe in Christ. Mm. Uh, And that's a pretty big difference to me you know just hopeless to hopefulness and not just hopeful but filled with hope Mm, that i can share with others without lying
1: (laughs) right okay being authentic as a as a christian yes Mm -hmm. Mm. look that's been a wonderful testimony april thank you very much for coming to share that with us and Even having an element of vulnerability was sharing that for us because, I mean, obviously some of these things are hurtful things in the past. But the great thing is you've been able to work through that and God's been able to drag you through those different challenges (laughs) and give you these experiences. And the Mm -hmm. wonderful thing about going through some tough times is that when you tell your story, there are other people going through similar experiences right now that can relate to that. And they can have the same hope and the same confidence that you have now that God is a God of love that's intimately acquainted with them, that loves them, wants the best for them, and is able to turn those circumstances around for them. Amen. Even in depression, even in those times where people feel that they can't go on anymore and they are going to take their life, God is there. He's able to provide and give them a new life and new hope in Christ. Amen. So thank you very much for sharing. You have been listening to By the Word of their Testimony. My special guest today has been April Worf. We appreciate you listening to the program today. And if you would like more information or you have any questions about today's program, you're welcome to contact us on 3ABN Australia Radio. In Australia, you can phone us by ringing 0249733456, or you can send an email to radio at 3abinaustralia.org.au. Or you can even go to our Facebook page, 3ABN Australia Radio. And you can send us a message there. So please join me next time as we share more of what God has done in the lives of people just like you and me. Until then. You've been listening to a song by Clearly Hens, How Can I Doubt?